Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. It is 12.51 on Tuesday, January 9th. We have our first celebrity death, tongue-in-cheek of the year. Uh, some local things I want to get to. What am I... Uh, what am I... Well, why can't we do that? Especially as we run out of options. Uh, ideas I want to throw at you. Uh, um, we'll... Oh, oh, we often talk about... You know, as much as I support workers here, I, I remind you, you're almost always going to lose. As we saw... Um, with Jeep strikes, and then, hey, the layoffs came because there's some law change in, in California. I want to play the perfect, like the master class of if you ever get into that situation on both sides, how it could work. Uh, but first up, please let me tell you that I am very happy that, that Michigan won. And, oh, first, first, happy birthday, Toledo. Toledo was 187 years old. Someone's going to make murder jokes about that. Um, Toledo is 187 years old. Um, if you think it looks a bit older than that, it's because, well, I've been here 11 years now. And as you can tell, I'm a handful and I can definitely age you. How'd that joke land? The Jimmy Kimmel stuff will land better in a couple of minutes when we get to that, uh, that killing, that murder. Um, I'm happy Michigan won, and this is another another time where I am reminded, thank God I retired from sports talk radio. And another reminder why I will never go back. Our Q105 Facebook page is uh, hot and fiery. Um, I've just put up some fairly innocuous posts about when's the last, where were you the last time Michigan won a national championship? And I... There was arguing, like, seemingly amongst Michigan fans. So far as I know, they won the national championship. They, they um, shared it with, what, Nebraska in 97? People were saying something about 2021? And I meant college football national championship. Like, that should be um, 21. Was that the basketball team? Did the basketball team win one? I know they got smacked by Villanova. Um, even infighting within the, the fan base. Um, asked for some pr- Michigan will blank tonight and all this other stuff. Um, a reminder, we have a hard enough time managing our feelings with the things that impact our daily lives. Friends, family, kids, work, pets, uh, our, I just see an Amazon truck go by, our Amazon package getting lost, traffic, weather. Do you, It is, and I know that m- most people view sports as an escape, but a large percentage of that most get sucked in and allow uh, these things they root for, which they have absolutely no influence over, to control way too much of their mood. I, I think when we had uh, uh, Andrea, Dr. Mata here a couple of weeks ago, and I, I asked her how she felt after Ohio State lost to Michigan. Again, what, third time in a row? I expected her to go, you know, it sucked, but it is what it is. I, she was a little more dour than that. I think she said it kind of affected the rest of her day, which all things considered with that rivalry, not a big deal. There are people whose weeks are destroyed because of a loss on Saturday or Sunday. Eric, don't you talk about sports a lot? 
and make a lot of sports analogies? I do because I, without sports, I would have, I would cut off 75% of what I read on the internet. Um, I love following it and, and analyzing it and seeing why things happen and taking away maybe some leadership skills or communication skills, right and wrong, from the stories. But watching it, not really my thing, especially because that takes up two to three hours. And I can just follow it on my phone while I'm watching another show. Um, but I, the people that allow their mood to be deeply affected for however long a period of time, when it begins to, as we say with mental health stuff, when is there a problem? When it begins to impact your life. If your mood sucks on Wednesday and you're snapping at people and your kids because the Lions lost their playoff game, which I think they will, even though I'm rooting for them, if you're st- if you're snapping at people on Wednesday, like that, that's 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 heavy. That's real heavy. And I get it. Everything is expectations. And Eric, are you afraid to put your like with a relationship? Are you afraid to put yourself out there because you're afraid you'll lose? No. At least with a relationship, I have a lot of influence, whether I do well in it or not. Um, you as a fan have no influence, zero. But I'm happy Michigan won because um, they were the best team, so I heard, through all the sports talk radio that I listened to and and read. Michigan was the best team in college football all season. I love when that team wins in the tournament or the playoffs because I think it's much more challenging to be good, to be the best for three months, four months, than for three weeks, which can happen, and I'm going to try not to dive too deep into sports here, but plenty of time in, in, I say American sports, because um, in the English Premier League, that's the the biggest soccer league in the world, um, they just play a regular season, and whoever has accumulated the most points through wins and ties at the end of the year, you're the champion. No playoffs. Like, I like that. You're rewarded for a long period of success, rather than some team sneaking into the playoffs. Let's say the Browns win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say that again, and I am completely on my medications. Let's say, and it, it's it's. In fact, I might put more on the Browns winning than the Lions, because the Browns have that ferocious defense and maybe the best defensive player at his peak in the league, Miles Garrett. Anyway, uh, if the Browns win the Super Bowl, I would be I'd be happy. I'd be shocked. But I'd be a little disappointed because while they were a good team, they were not the best team over the course of 17 games. But things happen. You face a team who has a big injury. Then the team after that, you just have a good matchup against. And then you play really well. You've got your confidence up. And then before you know it, you're in the Super Bowl. This happens repeatedly in sports. Um, I don't know. The two teams that were in the World Series, neither won their division. Neither were close to being considered the best in the game. But matchups, health, they were more positioned to play the game differently during that time of year. All right, that's too deep into sports. I love when the best team from game one to the last game wins the championship. Um, It is a verification of their success over the course of the year. I feel bad uh, if you were at Ohio State. I feel bad if the Dix the Dix employees, 
I'm guessing just the mall store was open to sell Michigan gear, which that's cool. Like I remember when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008. Um, I, I was up and we went over to the Models. That was our local sporting goods store to um, talk to some people, get some pictures because they were buying Phillies gear. Uh, like as soon as that confetti hit the ground or the final seconds ticked off, you could buy Michigan title gear, I'm sure. But it's a neat experience, kind of like Black Friday, to go out and hang out with other Michigan fans. And it was a pretty long line. The picture I saw, there must have been 50 people. I hope those employees got paid, you know, time and a half for another perk. I would feel very bad if any of those employees were Ohio State fans. That would be a cruel joke. I could imagine if, let's say, Brett is the manager and you call up um, Lauren, who is your Ohio State-loving top employee, Always loves extra hours. Loves going the extra mile. Brett calls you up or texts you up. Hey, Lauren, um, if Michigan wins tonight, we need you in. We, we need you in to sell stuff, <laughs> to sell Michigan championship gear, and the Ohio State fan and her explodes. Um, let me stick with the other sports stuff because that's where the uh, first celebrity death of the year happened. Hopefully, I will have the right audio here. I think I do. Let me just double check. Yeah. Uh, you may, Jimmy Kimmel returned last night for his first show of 2024. You may have heard a little over a week ago with the Epstein documents being released. Aaron Rodgers, who goes on the Pat McAfee show, who was kind of like a wild, wild west sports host. And then ESPN grabbed him because they're trying to appeal to a different audience and he is their lifeline and they paid him like $85 million, but he can rattle cages and he curses. Um, he had to, they asked him to tone down his cursing. I think no F bombs as he's on with ESPN, but other, other bombs drop, including the ones that Aaron Aaron Rodgers, I think, gets paid like a million dollars or more to be on Pat McAfee's show weekly. And this is where he said, uh, this is where he revealed he wasn't vaccinated and we found that he misled people. Not only on that, on on other issues that he was doing, psychedelics and all the things that make you raise an eyebrow. as a guy who is supposed to be the leader of, forget about just the dudes on the football team, like the whole organization, that whole football-loving city. So last week, um, Aaron said something with the Epstein documents that, that, that Jimmy Kimmel's name was going to be on it. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, I think, hopped onto social as he would and threatened legal action as he should because he probably got to sue, sue the pants off of Aaron Rodgers for lots of his millions if Aaron continued to do this. I'll, I'll say this with Aaron Rodgers. I think he, when he comes to all of his conspiracy theories and this nonsense, Jimmy Kimmel mentioned in the monologue, I don't have it in the audio, but Kimmel thinks Aaron went after him because Kimmel had something back whenever it was a year or so ago, something about aliens came to the forefront of news to cover up another topic. Jimmy thinks Aaron getting back at him was what brought us to last week. I think Aaron Rodgers only believes he is a quirky guy. I think he's a bit eccentric. I think he's extremely intelligent, which I I think can help me relate to the arrogance that can come with that and the fact that you can be Teflon and impenetrable. Um, But the other side of that is, you know, I mean, 
I I try to be filled with character and integrity and only say things I truly believe in. Now, when we're having a conversation and it's in good fun, I will embellish it a little bit. Like I, like I said, look, I, in what I have to do, we have to get your attention. And I try to do it in a way that you don't get mad at me at. Like if I tease you about something when I say, we have the first celebrity death of the year, I say, my tongue is fully in my cheek, um, rather than pulling your chain. I think Aaron Rodgers uh, only believes about like 40% of the bullshit he spews when it comes to a lot of this nonsense. If if I heard a private conversation of his and he said, I really am vaccinated, but I like, he likes the, the other thing that comes with intelligence and arrogance. You like being talked about, even if it's negative, you like the attention. So you're going to yank on people's chains. But you can't do that to Kimmel because he will come back with this. But here's the thing. I spent years doing sports. I've seen guys like him before. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself. Because he had success on the football field, he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. We learned during COVID, somehow he knows more about science than scientists. A guy who went to community college, then got into Cal on a football scholarship and didn't graduate, someone who never spent a minute studying the human body is an expert in the field of immunology. He just put on a, he put on a magic helmet and he, that G made him a genius. It's- the G for uh, Green Bay. And then the line right after that was, the only A's Aaron ever got were the two in, in his name. Um, now, look, Kimmel had a week to work this up and had probably had some writers help Matt with it, but he absolutely, rightly, eviscerated Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, we all have blind spots. He should have known, one, that the lawsuit threat was going to come at him, but two, you're messing with a very clever, witty, long-time, successful late-night host who has a cadre of writers who will damage you more than any linebacker ever has. And he did just that last night. My favorite Aaron Rodgers line or crack at him through the whole saga of him and the vaccine was somebody saying, next time you get hurt, since, since you don't really believe in science and vaccines and doctors, next time you get hurt on the field... Joe Rogan come Joe Rogan can come out and help you since you seem to trust his medical knowledge more than doctors. Um I never intend in the same way that I say what I believe I'm going to be wrong a lot cuz a lot of stuff comes out of my mouth but I think I'm right a lot which I will get to with that one idea that I think could be helpful to local communities. Um I never intend to intentionally Provoke to that degree which I'm accusing Aaron Rodgers of. Um, I have tried to be delicate and very measured with my words um, as we've gone through the COVID times and, and employment um, and how we look at our job and our careers and our vocation and our relationship with all that stuff, how we look at that and the paradigm we look at through and whether you've decided, you know what, I am le- there's no more email at home. Or, you know what, if I'm going to do all this email at home, I want more money. You're asking for it, and um, you didn't get it. So, you know what, I'm going to leave. As I tell every, the employment hysteria um, has peaked. I saw some 
information the other day that we are really settling back to when it comes to employment numbers. We're really settling back to uh, 2019 before COVID hit. So I am less confident telling you, if you tell me, I hate my job, hey, look for something that you will find something. Um, something that you really like or will pay you money that you really like. Those oper- uh, those opportunities aren't there as much. Um, it was a told you so moment and I, and I feel bad because I, I, I'm a middle class. If I am above middle class, if I am in the higher echelon of middle class, it's only because I don't have a family and X amount of dollars don't have to go to a bigger house, uh, more mouths to feed, higher health, all that stuff. Um, so I'm always pro-worker, but more than anything and more than most, I'm objective and I think I'm a pretty darn good realist. Now, a lot of cynics about cynicism will say, you're not a realist, you're just a pessimist. Uh, a lot of reality can, can be negative. And if you manage those expectations, you're less likely to be let down, Right. Hope is, hope is often a four-letter word. Expectations will be the swords that shred you to pieces. So I'm always pro-worker. I want you to get as much money as you can. And that's why I was like, if you don't like where you work, now is the time to go look for another place. Still, even if your soul is being... being I have a friend right now who is... Um, she likes what she does. Hold on. They, to be clear. They like what they do. But... Um, there's in insurance troubles. I get it. As we've talked about over and over on this show, um, with your salary, you have to factor in how much are my insurance premium, health insurance premiums? How much can I estimate, you know, with, with basic visits and whatnot, well, I have to put out of pocket and which health plan tier am I on? You have to consider that and what you can save or what you have to pay as part of overall income. It's not like, what, 1970, where my dad had his health insurance taken care of by his employer, if that was ever a thing. We pay higher premiums than ever before. Um, So I'm always pro-worker. And we saw this happen with the the Jeep strike. And it was so predictable. In fact, I, I will almost always bet that things like this will happen when there is a a strike. Good for you. You are, you have integrity, you have character, you have conviction. Um, I don't know if you deserve more money. That, that, that can be a, a thorny subject. Um, I push back. Of course, I don't, you know, support CEOs. And here's the realism again. Of course, I support, you know, the average worker over a, a CEO is paid $23 million. But you know what? A lot of people can do the job of the average worker. A very, very, Small, finite amount of people can do the job of a CEO, which is extremely challenging. Now, I get it's a, a bit more nuanced than that, but hopefully that, that point is made. But I'll always be um, pro-worker as much as I can. But I also warn you that if you get much of what you want um, in your labor strike, it's going to come back, if not on you, on your co- if not on your co-workers, the rest of us, um, We'll, we'll say the donut the donut workers went on strike um, because they believed they needed to be paid more. They wanted safer safer working environment. They wanted less after hours email, all that stuff. All things that, that are fairly reasonable. 
Um, okay, so they 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 got uh, like sixty percent, sixty percent of the the demands that they that they wanted. Um, remember, employers will all always win because, like when you talk about sports and athletes, you say athletes, oh, they get paid too much money. Really, those are millionaires that work for billionaires. So no matter how much the Los Angeles Dodgers just paid Shohei Otani, which is like seven hundred million dollars, that is a it's a big drop, but it's still a drop in the bank accounts of the Los Angeles Dodgers, one of the most popular teams on earth, whose revenue, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions, billions, um, tens of billions over the decades that that player will get paid. So, yeah, um, the the donut, the donut uh, factory, the donut owners, Mr. Donut will be will act publicly like, ah, you know, we did the best that we could. We we try to negotiate in good faith, um, and you know, whatever they, they, they act like they lost, but they really didn't because they probably expected to lose a lot more. And as you might've read, some of these places that deal with striking workers, like with the writers and the Hollywood strikes, it's like they, some of these studios were like, good, we're saving money by not having, not having to pay all these people and make all these movies. We're losing money, but we're losing less than we would if we put a shitty movie out. Sometimes losing less is the mindset of people who make a lot of money. The strike was, the the further outcome of the strike with Jeep was predictable. So, all okay, the donut people got what they wanted. And um, Mr. Donut did not take any losses. He's not making a cent less than he was before the strike because he just pushed the, the cost back on the donuts. Donuts that were before... How much does a donut cost now? Donuts before that were $1.29 are now $1.34. Now, that nickel is not a lot, but if you sell it over the course of the, of, of the year and all the donuts and all the donut franchises, that's a lot of money. In fact, they they made they had an excuse because of the strike to, to raise the prices, which came back on us. Okay, so they didn't raise... $1.29 only went up to like $1.32. But you know what? Aw, oh, shucks. You know what? We just can't afford X, Y, and Z people anymore. Um, so we're going to have to let you go. Sorry about that. There's layoffs. And then you know what? They'd rather pay the severance and the unemployment insurance, which they do. They'd rather pay that because they're paying less than they would pay you as a salary and your health insurance. Um, the, uh, the, the employer wins yet again. That's what happened with Jeeps. Uh, what was it? A lot of California law changes caused layoffs across Jeep. It was completely predictable. Sorry if I'm being long-winded with this, but I heard something on one of the shows that I've talked about before that I really like, For All Mankind, which I hope is over this week because I want to get rid of my Apple before they charge me again. Um, I want to play something for you. There was a workforce that wanted more money from their employer. Simple, basic stuff. Um, the employer needed to, uh, needed to get a project done and was at wit's end. So he came and spoke to the striking employees. I'm ready to offer you a 40% increase in your pension contributions, a more generous health plan and shares of Helio stock to everybody. Don't believe a goddamn word this man says. He's a snake oil salesman. I'll also make sure that everybody involved in the strike gets amnesty for any and all actions conducted during the negotiations of the last few days. And the first hundred people to cross this line will receive a quadruple payday bonus, which will put you just north of a million dollars 
each. Don't listen to him. Can't you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to buy us off and undercut our solidarity. We can still win this if we stick together. That's right. Okay, yeah, sure, you can try to do that, but you have to ask yourself, what's more important? Some abstract notion of togetherness, or is it your families back home? Is it your kids, your, your nieces, your nephews, your parents, your grandparents? Or is it some rock that is floating out in space? All right, and then some guy crosses the line that he made. Like that's the playbook on on both sides, and and I will that that playbook is if you are if you're the employer, you just offer incentives and divide them. In fact, I am shocked that with all these scattered Starbucks location strikes, Starbucks hasn't come down to more managers or like assistant managers, and they're able to do this because of the gap between. Um, labor and and management labor had a lot more money they could last a lot longer than they could out of work striking but those strike funds can't go a very long time and most people who live even a little bit more than your paycheck to paycheck can't be off of work for a long period of time so when that guy comes down and offers incentives to Somebody who's just making those ends meet and has a sick baby that has to pay or a sick wife and has to pay extra health insurance. How do you say no when they offer you incentives? Uh, the the old, is this Sun Tzu is art of war? Did Sun Tzu say divide and conquer? That's your June. That's why I say I, I can't believe the Starbucks management has it come down to like assistant manager and said, hey, I know you're going through school. You're expensive school. You're going to get married soon. How about I give you a 20% bump in pay? I don't know if that would be the number. I'm, I'm just picking it out of the air. But like I said, sometimes losing less money than you would otherwise is the win for management. So that's the playbook right there. Um, if you're management, divide and conquer. Offer incentives because you know there are some people that are unable because of what's in their life to say no. On the other side of things, and I should, you know what, I'll let it play out. I rep 12 at the fuel plant. Welcome. Thank you. I've got 88 more. Come on. So one person crossed that line. The other side of the playbook. I'm so sorry. You're better off taking... I know that solidarity and conviction is important, but is it more important than what I just talked about? Getting your bills paid. Those health insurance premiums taken care of. I know you might lose friendships with coworkers. You'd be called all kinds of names, scab, whatever, but you've got to take care of you. And because that gap between management and labor is so wide now, management can just wait you out. So if incentives are offered, take them. Otherwise, and also if you do take them, make sure they can't lay you off. <laughs> um, they'll lay off other people and that will suck because you will probably have a bit of guilt with that. I got this pay bump, the 401k bump and whatever else in the stock shares, but my friends lost their jobs and I feel terrible about that. But would I feel more terrible if I was the one who had that strong conviction and lost my job? 
It's a very thorny subject. Um, are your streets getting fixed? Likely. I forget the number, but the mayor had a press conference yesterday about how many streets will be getting fixed this year. You can look and see exactly uh, where and what will be fixed. It's alphabetical order on the city's site. You can see like from what street to what street, how much it will cost. Speaking of mayor, um, we're looking for a new kid mayor. I didn't. I thought uh, the first girl, Evelyn Bush, She's she stepped down for Gabby Mukira, who was on this podcast. Thought she stepped back because of other commitments. Actually, it's just a, a one year thing. Is it one year because because Wade is intimidated by fourth graders? No. Um. So Gabby's term is about to be up. If you know a fourth grader in Washington local or TPS, what do they want to do for our community? I'm pretty sure when Gabby was here last year, she said she wanted to make this a safer place for her and her friends. So if your kid doesn't even have to have an interest in politics. If they love where they live and want to make it a better place, um, get them in the running for that. Applications go through the 22nd. Also, the 26th is the last day when uh, TSA will be will be accepting submissions for this year's lottery. The good news is, with their next big thing, expansion, that beautiful new building um, that you see out on, or the beautiful new facade that you see out on Adams, they can take more kids. So, submit your kid for the lottery. I uh, wanted to have this chat with Alex and some others. To, this is one of my, I think it's a good idea. And I I ran it by a friend of mine. And her point was, yeah, well, they don't really work out, work out much better. They don't really work out that well either. I'm like, I know, but the alternative is, I'll try to do a, a reasonable joke for the alternative. So it was a, the mommy fire levy, I think finally went through. It didn't the first time, it did the second time. And I think this has been the case, whether it's been 911 services, any kind of emergency services, it's becoming expensive. Um, the latest one is, is this is Lake Township and, and, and Rossford. Um, they, they have options because they can't continue to fund, they can't continue to function their emergency services, fire services as they are. So, a few options that were thrown out. Option one, standalone, hire 15 full-time firefighters, um, $200 a year um, on a home. Option two, fire district with neighboring communities, $280 a year on a home. Contract with a neighboring community, so it's completely in their hands, um, no additional tax, which is, I'm sure, the one that will be most appealing. Um, Lieutenant Chris Gura is a union steward for the Rossford Fire Department, and he said he's not in favor of any of the options right now. There were only three options presented, and as the saying goes, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Um, I think he's also obviously concerned about like losing jobs, but these places are having more runs than ever, um, and not even as we've, we've talked to our fire TFD friends here before, not even necessarily fires, but emergencies, um, overdoses, and, and whatnot. So my idea is it would take a, a good humanitarian with some money. I always go back to the Ottawa Hills guy that, that funded college educations for um, for those kids at, at Start or, or Scott. Somebody like that who literally has tens of millions, if not billions of dollars, and wants to put projects in play that, that could make the world a better place. I don't want you to lose money. Remember, nobody got into business to lose money. Um, and if you're altruistic, you will try to make as little as possible and make the world a better place and good for your employees. This is all tying together. 
What if there was somebody who was really rich, really affluent, and they started um, a chain, essentially, of emergency services? It would cost a lot. I can't tell you the details or logistics of it. Uh, But in the same way that Panera and Taco Bell and Chick-fil-A and other places are franchised, what if you found a way to, at a lower cost, because it's good for the world and you keep people safe, instead of necessarily like tax dollars or, or whatever, maybe it would be less tax dollars to contribute to this because... Steve from Ottawa Hills loves where he grew up in Rossford, and he's going to contribute $10 million over the course of the next five years um, to have a, 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 a privatized emergency services place. They do all or most of the same thing that a fire department and rescue, a fire and rescue department would, but it is not under the city or county's um, auspices. Eric, but, you know, private places, you know, they can raise their prices, they can be bad managers, bad leaders. I know, but what's the alternative? The alternative of my joke would be, um, do you just want to hand everybody a fire extinguisher, teach them CPR and give them Narcan and say, good luck. Because we're inching closer to that. And I can't think of an analogy where I'm like, yeah, once this happens, everybody will go, oh, oh, okay, I get it now. But that aha, oh, I get it moment will be when one of these places is understaffed, not because they want to, but because they have to. We'll, we'll say, um, we'll say Ro- Rossfordville, West, 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 West Rossfordville um, had their emergency people going like 72 hours strong and, and, and they had some tough battles. Like they are worn out and the mayor of West Rossfordville says, look, this I know this is a risk, but I can't send these tired people out to emergent services at this point. So I'm going to give them a 12-hour break. We're going to go without these services for 12 hours. And when you know it, something awful happens in those 12 hours. And then you go, oh, oh, we really need this. And I get it. It's how do we pay for it? Because nobody wants to keep paying more taxes as much as I do believe in. We live here. We pay for it. And with that, my subtext is the money better be spent responsibly. So consider it privatizing um, the privatization of emergent services. If somebody has a better alternative, I'm all ears. I'm glad you were here on today's podcast.